Coach, man. Are you coming to youth club with me on Friday, or are you going? Hey, I heard you missed us. We're back. Hey. I brought my pencil. Give me something to write on, man. Friday night. Okay. No problem. What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rock Strikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, so this particular episode is legitimately a month behind from when I wanted to post it. I had planned all along to do this episode, and of course, with all the 2023 countdown episodes and, and all the goings-on, got delayed a bit, but I wasn't going to let it go. doesn't matter if it's not on the anniversary day. We still got to pay tribute, on principle, to one of the greatest albums of all time. We're fast-forwarding back 40 years today on Rock Strikes 10, and the year 1984 is very special to me. On the last couple of Countdown episodes, I talked about how nostalgia is a massive beast that is really difficult to slay, for better or worse. But my first real true year of music fandom, I feel, is in the 83-84 pocket. Those two years transformed me into the music fan that you hear between your ears today. And I'm grateful for it. And a massive chunk of that 83-84 pocket definitely belongs to the group that we're talking about today. This is going to be an all-Van Halen episode. Not only that, it's going to be an all-Van Halen 1984 episode, if you couldn't tell by the title. Because it's one of the albums that definitely changed my life. It is one of my favorite albums of all time. It was on my Desert Island list, my top 10. If you happen to catch that one, it's on there. It's definitely an album that I know is legitimately on a lot of my friends' top 10 Desert Island as well, if not on an overall short list of theirs. But it's important to me, and it hit a big milestone last month, right at the top of the year, on January 9th. And man, did I discover that one on the actual day, uh, just last month. one nine eighty four. Gotta love it. I mean, that's obviously calculated. How could it not be? That would be one of the biggest coincidences in the history of music if they did not set it up that way. 
So, yeah, of course, calculated. I love it. But it's that is one of those grenades that didn't go off for me until last month. So I'm still blown away by this. I don't know which came first, the video or the song on the radio, but like everybody else, I heard Jump first and Love at First Listen at that point. I, I didn't have MTV, so I didn't even get introduced to Van Halen through the power of MTV. It was all of the quote-unquote knockoffs of MTV. So it was a lot of the USA Network stuff, Radio 1990, and they just seemed like the coolest band that ever existed. They're all smiling. They're all having a good time. And the song rules. So that helps. But yeah, so all the great ingredients right there. And at that point in 1984, I knew that I wanted to be one of two things. I wanted to be a rock star or I wanted to be a game show host. So actually, it turns out that I did want to be David Lee Roth. <laughs> I never quite grew up to be David Lee Roth, but no regrets, right? So thank you for listening to my little background right there. We're going to get to the music here in a minute or so, but yes, this entire episode, I'm going to try my best to give you an alternate track list, track by track version of 1984. Full disclosure, there are two tracks. I couldn't find anything possible of any quality to represent two of the tracks. So two of the tracks you'll hear on the show are the original versions from the album and no surprise, they'll be a couple of the deep cuts on the record. So when I do the countdowns on the show that I've done over the last few years, I try to do that wiki window where I get the background and everything when I can remember to do it. But this is one of those albums I have committed to memory. So I already did the release date. About the only thing I can't give you here of any importance is the serial number on the album. But of course, I know the album was produced by the band's longtime producer, Ted Templeman, and it was engineered by Don Landy, which means that it was probably also engineered by Eddie Van Halen because Eddie and Don are the ones that built 5150 Studios, which happens to be the studio that the album was recorded in. This was the first ever full-length album recorded in the newly christened 5150 Studios, so that's important unto itself. A lot of magic in that room. And there's a lot of elements that go into the creation of this album that other people have definitely documented it better than I could verbalize here for you. So I actually have been learning a lot of stuff about Van Halen over the last year. Between the Ted Templeman book, of course, that the great Greg Renoff wrote, and the Tapes Archive. Uh, it's, it's, it's a podcast that's out there. It's on YouTube as well. Uh, watching it on YouTube is very entertaining, despite the boundaries that have been set by the Van Halen family and Rhino Warner and stuff like that. But go look up the episodes about Van Halen on the Tapes Archives podcast. It's tremendous stuff. So yeah, it was the peak of Van Halen and the beginning of the end of Van Halen with David Lee Roth as their singer. But man, what a note to go out on. It is a shame that they didn't have a chance to follow it up as a group. And that's a big what if. But hey, Got nine perfect songs right here for this record. And so let's get into it right here. Uh, because of the nine song factor, I had to get a little creative. So yeah, stay tuned. Let's see how it shakes out to 10 songs. But let's do the thing that the album does because I feel like there is no way you could possibly listen to the intro without hearing the follow-up track as well. They just go hand in hand. And so once again, we're track by tracking the record. We're going to give you alternate versions uh, different kinds of versions of the 1984 record whilst playing all the songs on the record. 
So, yes, we are going to kick things off with the instrumental, 1984. Check this version out. Thank you. 
Okay, yes. Of course, you recognize the voice of the album, Diamond David Lee Roth. That was an updated, recently re-recorded version of Jump, which was christened live at Henson Studios, which is the studio that Roth operates out of whenever he records pretty much anything at this point. If he's not recording at his house, he goes to Henson, which there's a long history there. It used to be Charlie Chaplin's studio, then it became A&M Records, and now it is owned by the Jim Henson family. And it's still got the old recording studio in there, and a lot of people record in there, including Dave, of course. That's the studio that the We Are The World session was done in as well. So there you go. Sort of a current reference considering the fact that that documentary just came out. I haven't watched it yet, but that's on the list. But yes, Jump live from Henson Recording Studios. That was recorded supposedly as a means to have a guide tape or a practice tape for his recent solo band for the shows that never happened. So he just wound up putting out the stuff as individual songs online so by that rationale if it's supposed to represent an entire show and set list then he's only put out like i think like five or six of those total so far so there's probably a good let's say 14 tracks maybe a dozen tracks that potentially still could come out of this session but i did find out recently i I think i have the lineup from this recording it's all new young guys apparently uh, Alice Strada on guitar, Ryan Wheeler on bass, and Francis Valentino on drums. I don't know who played the keyboard on the track. That's the only thing I couldn't figure out. But there you go. That, that was the lineup. The band that I never got to see in Vegas along with my better half. But yeah, say la vie. And before that, we heard the intro to the album 1984. Of course, the instrumental is also called 1984. And that was just a matter of me just going on the internet and being like, has anybody done anything with this track? Have they made anything out of it? Even if there was a mashup to be had, something. And so I just typed in a bunch of different things and I got this, which is so basic in approach, but so brilliant at the same time. It's nothing that people haven't done in the studio for decades, which is they took the track And they reversed it in their editing software and then put it forward again to finish off. I mean, come on. That's great. Like, if that's the way the intro sounded in the final product, people have been like, oh, yeah, that's great. They wouldn't have blinked. So really good job right there with the remix of the 1984 intro, forwards, backwards, and forwards again, which pads it to about two and a half minutes. And, And by the way, those of you listening out there, We're all friends here, right? I say 10 songs, no more, no less. And I still believe that I'm going to keep my word here on this show. But going forward here, can we go under the belief that that's just one song? Because I even said before I played it, you can't really play 1984 without playing Jump. It is the intro to the album, but I feel like it's the intro to Jump. It's always been one track to me. Can I do a little bit of that? Can I get away with that a little bit? Uh, in order to do something fun here on the show that I want to do. Everybody agreed? Okay, don't call bullshit on my show and cancel and unsubscribe and all that stuff. It's still 10 songs, let's be fair. So, Okay, we're all good? Okay, so let's get to Panama. Panama is considered by a lot of people, and and possibly even myself, the greatest Van Halen song of all time. Uh, It's a perfect track. One of the greatest videos of all time. So fun. You you watch that video and you want to be that band. So much going on there. And 
dangling on the wires and stuff like that. Oh man, I just ate it up. And even just getting the 45 as a kid, it's got that shot of Dave flying through the crowd with the boom box, the shoulder motor. Uh, so yeah, Panama is perfect. It is rock 101. The music's perfect. The guitar solo's perfect. The nonsensical vocals that don't seem to have much of a concept is perfect. The breakdown into the final part, it, it, it rules. It's greatness. So what I'm doing here, I, I try to do this thing where to be a little fair and be an all-encompassing, non-tribalistic Van Halen fan, I would like to go ahead and feature all of the members of the band of all time. And, and not that there's ever been a ton of official Van Halen members. There have been seven. So it's, it's it'll be pretty easy for me to represent every member of the band. But I'm going to do you one better. Since you allowed me to make the last song one song total, we're not just going to double down on Panama. We're going to triple down on it. And I'm going to play you three different live versions of Panama by the three different Van Halen singers of all time, whilst also including all of the members of the band of all time. You're welcome. Yes. So uh, we are going chronologically out of order, though, with the singers, but we're going chronologically in order with the performances. Oh yeah, I don't half-ass anything. So we're going to kick off this trifecta of the brilliant Panama with Sammy Hagar.
that Drew Carey show episode where they played Panama over and over and over again while he squats in his house. No, you're tuned into Rock Strikes 10, and yes, you just heard three different unique live versions of Panama in chronological order outside of the singer chronology, but with every member of the band represented right there. Okay, let's get into that. We started things off with Sammy Hagar singing Panama from 1995 on the Balance Tour. That was taken off of a pay-per-view concert they filmed in Toronto. And I wanted to include something from the Balance Tour because I have a massive personal affinity for the Balance album and the tour. That was the first time I saw Van Halen. And they were definitely great on the tour, despite the fact that they broke up pretty much after it. But yeah, And I've never had an issue with the way that Hagar approached Panama because finding out years later that that was one of the handful of songs that he didn't mind performing that was a Dave song. And also that's just proof of how great Panama is. (laughs) So yes. And the second performance right there, you heard, of course, the third official Van Halen singer, Mitch Malone. No, I'm kidding. That was Gary Sharon, actually. And doing his version of Panama on his lone tour with Van Halen, the Van Halen 3 tour. That was taken off of that TV show. Most of you have seen it, probably the one from Australia. It's the best audio version you can really find of that. I couldn't find the Westwood One recording 
of them playing in the club at the whiskey. I'd love to have a copy of that, honestly. But yeah, I, I just took it off of the Australian TV thing. So actually, all these are TV performances because we finished off, of course, with Diamond Dave 2015, I believe. That's live at the Billboard Music Awards. And if you go pull up the version on YouTube, you can find the most famous person in the entire galaxy, Taylor Swift, introducing Van Halen in that clip. It's a lot of fun. Hey, man, the band sounds great. That's a way better version of Panama than the one that's on the uh, the live album, the Tokyo album. The Tokyo album still baffles me because that was them like with a year off. <laughs> and that was like a lone show they played. It was like a, a, sh- a makeup show in a sense. So I've never understood at all other than the fact that Roth was living out there. And it's a special show to him. But I'm sure they had better stuff in the can. Oh, Anyway, let, let's get off of that topic. But yes, we were able to represent every member of Van Halen, including all the singers, including both bass players, for all those three performances of the great Panama. Panama deserves it. So yeah, having fun. And this next track we come upon here as we track through 1984, the album, we come across the third proper song on the album, and that would be Top Jimmy. Now, I scoured the earth for anything. I would, if there was a cover of this song that blew me away or that was at least decently comparable and above average, I would be including it here in this episode. And that goes for any cover of any of those songs. Honestly, outside of Jump, nobody has really come forward with a great cover of any of these songs. And honestly, the best jump versions are like the big band versions and the and that bluegrass version, honestly, with Dave. So, yeah, and that goes for any Van Halen song. Nobody can do it. I th- this is OK. This is my rant on the show here. I understand that people love this music like I do. And there's people that feel the need to be, have these tribute bands and everything. Stop it. OK, <laughs> just fucking stop it. If you can pull off a Van Halen song in your cover band, great. But tribute acts, I I just don't think you can recreate this one. Uh, Vocal-wise, but especially from the musical standpoint. Honestly, just stop it. Seriously. Okay. But I scoured the internet for a decent version, a cover version of Top Jimmy, and everybody let me down. You can find every YouTuber in the world that plays guitar doing a cover of this or at least attempting to do it. It's admirable. Honestly, I'm just sick of the endless amounts of guitar covers that don't teach you anything. They're just big up in themselves. I get it. They're trying to get gigs, but God, there should be a separate platform for all the shit because it's just clogging up the Internet, honestly. Rants aside, back to the music. Long story long, I couldn't find any alternate version of Top Jimmy, even with some of these leaked Ted Templeman sessions, there just doesn't seem to be any good, neat, alternate version of Top Jimmy. So we are just going to play the damn original. So here you go. In all of its glory, here's the original album version of Top Jimmy. Enjoy. <laughs>
That's one of those things there at the very end when all the guys are doing the oh Jimmy part. They either nailed that in one take or it took all night and they just couldn't stop cracking up. I feel there's no middle ground with that particular take, but yeah, I'd love to know. But yes, top Jimmy, what can you say? I mean, that uh, the chicken picking, I believe is what they call it in guitar speak, but there's a lot of that Ricky Skaggs type picking going on on that. It's just, it's a brilliant piece. There is an isolated track of it on YouTube, but I just didn't think it was worthy of being played. It just, it wasn't isolated enough <laughs> for me. Uh, but yes, go go look it up. You can just hear how great how truly great Eddie is on that track, and not that you can't hear it with everything else going on. Uh, one of the best mixed albums of all time, it really is. Everything sounds great. The bass might be a little low, but that's pretty much par for the course with most Van Halen records. Okay, next track, finishing up side one of the vinyl and cassette, we have Drop Dead Legs. And the first time I heard this song, easily had to have been as the B-side for Panama on the 45. So yeah, I definitely heard most of this album out of sequence the first time I heard pretty much all these songs. It probably would take me almost about six months to a year before I heard the album in full, probably through my friend Sean next door. The guy that you probably have to thank for this show as far as planting the seeds early on, the guy that got me into Van Halen and Kiss and Prince and Ozzy and all that stuff. But yes... Drop Dead Legs, definitely a favorite of mine uh, due to the fact that I was an equal opportunity spinner. If I played the A side in kind of an OCD move, I had to play the B side as well. So I was very familiar with Drop Dead Legs by the time I ever even owned the album. But yeah, I always dug Drop Dead Legs. Nothing wrong with it at all. A nice little groove, half tempo kind of thing. And whilst I'll wait is kind of a half tempo as well, it's a different kind of half tempo. Uh, Drop Dead Legs just has a nice sexy groove to it, you know, and the lyrics match it for sure. So, yeah, there is zero kind of innuendo in this song at all. It is right there in your face. <laughs> Giant butt is probably the best <laughs> lyric on, on this entire record. But, yeah, love it. Drop Dead Legs. Let's play this one right here. Uh, another special show in the history of Van Halen. This was taken from the last show they ever played. And I will always permanently call this the last show they ever played. Even if anything happens at some point, a tribute show, it will not be Van Halen without Eddie Van Halen. I think even in the tribalistic world of Van Halen, we can universally agree that the band played their last ever show as Van Halen on October 4th of 2015. And so here is a actually pretty decent audio bootleggy kind of performance here of Drop Dead Legs. Of the billion versions you could find on YouTube, I think this is the best one because you don't hear a lot of crowd noise. It almost sounds like a soundboard. So this is the best one for my money. And I really wanted to find a particular version of this from this tour because I went to this tour and I was so happy that they played Drop Dead Legs. Anything from 84 is always welcome. So yes, from the very last Van Halen show at the Hollywood Bowl, here is... Dave, Eddie, Wolf, and Alex doing Drop Dead Legs. Drop 
Drop Dead Legs right there from the very last Van Halen show at the Hollywood Bowl. If you mix that down just a little bit more, you might get a decent top-to-bottom gig out of it. I'd love to hear that surface at some point. But yes, and I'm assuming they were rolling tape on that one because it was a special show. Even though they didn't realize at the time that that would be their last show, I would think if you're playing Hollywood Bowl, you're rolling tape regardless. Okay, so getting into side two of the record. Only four songs, but what a set of four songs right here. Is there a better kickoff to any side two of any record that has ever existed than this right here? Hot for Teacher? Come on. I mean, yeah, this this song is so good. It's such a great opener. The fact that it's not the album opener seems weird, but it's it's a perfectly sequenced record for my money. And since you had like half the record that could have been used as an opener on any decent record, it's fitting that they kick off side two with Hot for Teacher in that sense. Another perfect video, another video where I watched it and I was like, oh man, I want to be those guys. I remember not getting the original 45 when it came out, the one with the teacher on the picture sleeve. I actually didn't own that version until the repress of the, the Van Halen singles box set later on down the road. But the cool thing is, even though I wasn't able to get the 45 the week it came out, we went back to the record store the next time And even though that version wasn't there, a special version was. So I got the best possible version of Hot for Teacher on 45 when it came out. And if you know, you know, if you've seen it out and about, it's a plastic sleeved folded poster of the band playing live, or at least posing like they're playing live on stage. And that's the Hot for Teacher 45 inside the other side of the plastic sleeve with the great Little Dreamer as the b-side that was the first time i ever heard little dreamer was on the 45 to hot for teacher but yes i still have all those old 45s and i've definitely since rebought a nicer less played with version of that fourfold poster version of hot for teacher and i i think i've rebought every single of that because i played those endlessly and the sleeves on those are worn out but i would never get rid of my old versions Even the one that's got my name written on the jump picture sleeve right under the jump, like speech bubble of the baby angel. Okay, sorry, I'm nerding out here. But yes, Hot for Teacher is great. And the two initial times I got to see Dave finally live as a solo performer in 2002 and then in 2003, uh, he opened both shows with Hot for Teacher because why would you not? There's that really awkward and great moment on the Howard Stern show when Sammy and Dave are promoting their co-headline tour together, the ill-fated tour, even though it was great. I went to it and (laughs) they were doing a back and forth like versus mode on the two guys and Sammy's on the phone and Dave's in the studio. They're like, Sammy, what are you going to open the show with? And he's like, I'm going to do this new song of mine called Shaka Doobie. And they're like, Shaka Doobie? (laughs) And they were like, Dave, what are you opening with? He's like, hot for teacher, man. It's like, well, Dave wins. (laughs) Yeah, of course he does. Uh, But yes, I I found some really good audio from that era of Dave. So this is taken from a Japanese television special called Party Dude. (laughs) And it's his 2004 lineup, which the second time I saw him, this was the lineup. So you got the great Brian Young on lead guitar, just killing it. That guy, I, I know I've talked about him before while I when I talked about going to see Dave solo live. Uh, But that guy, I saw him play Eruption 
uh, on the top of the guitar, like a piano. It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, he was in the Atomic Punks. And Dave actually had a second guitarist on this tour, a guy named Toshi Haketa. He played on this tour as well. You got James Lomenzo on the bass, which at this point was the second band I had seen James Lomenzo played with. I saw him play a handful of times with Alice Cooper. And so he was playing with Dave at this point. And Ray Luzier on the drums, who's most famous for playing drums for Korn at this point. Uh, yeah, Ray's a great drummer, and it was great to hear him play those tunes. Uh, so yeah, let's get into it right here. Here's a live version of Hot for Teacher from 2004 with this great lineup of the Dave Lee Roth Band. Enjoy. Look at all the people here tonight! Okay, so far?
I think we're off to our usual flying start, baby. I feel the summertime is right around the corner. Sorry about some of the audio faults on there. There's some TV static literally on that clip, but that's because I did pull that completely off of YouTube. I will mention that when I do that, and I've done that a couple of times already on this episode, but that clearly was off of a TV, but I couldn't not play that version because I love that version. There's a lot of good energy in it. So yeah, that that's why it's there. I hope you enjoyed it well enough. Hot for Teacher, David Lee Roth Band from 2004 in Japan. A place that's definitely near and dear to Dave's heart, for sure. And yet another single here on side two. And as it stands, for all time, Van Halen only ever had one number one single ever. And that obviously was Jump. With that momentum, they did release All Wait as the follow-up single. It did not crack the top ten. It just fell short at number 13. I always thought that song should have been a bigger hit than it was. But there you have it. It peaks at number 13 on the pop charts. But 1984, we'll talk about this in depth later on in the year, but 1984 was a super huge year for the Hot 100. So competition was stiff AF in 1984. So we should probably just be thankful that All Weight even made the top 20. Uh, But yes, with all that being said, I figured it's apropos to play the version that most radio stations played at the time of its release and its run as a single. I should say, thankfully, nowadays, if you hear it on classic rock radio or Sirius or any place like this, very rarely will they play the single edit. They'll usually go for the album version, which, of course, and historically is always the superior version. Is there an edit that's better than the album version? I'd love to know if someone has an opinion about this. But anyway, for the sake of being unique and my attempt to do an alternate version of the album, I am going to play you the single edit of All Wait. If you've never heard this, it's going to be weird. It's weird anyway, but it'll probably throw you off a little bit, especially if you're trying to follow along or air drum like I always do to the song. But here you go, the single edit of All Wait.
What a difference 23 seconds make, eh? Yeah, all right. But yeah, that was the single edit of All Wait, the second single off of the 1984 record. At some point, if and they've never been known to do this, Van Halen is not a vault-friendly band. But if ever comes a time where they do some sort of album deluxe version of 1984 or just do a proper official box set, I'm assuming that version's going to be on there. Hopefully, this is a big finger cross for me because I've always wanted this. And I bet a lot of you out there wanted this as well. I want the video edit audio of Jump as a bonus track as well. Just merely for the fact with that one yell right there that Dave does in the video post-guitar solo before they kick back into the song. I need that as an actual track. But yes, I'll wait right there. Let me know what you think of that. Let me know if you're around when that was happening on the radio. And we come to the last two tracks on the album, both quote-unquote deep cuts. Uh, but the the cool thing about this album is I, I, I think that they might have played the whole album live. I, I couldn't really find anything on Top Jimmy. So I'm going to go with them never playing Top Jimmy live, but... I'm assuming they played it at some point, maybe early on the 1984 tour. But yeah, I I should know that, but I don't know it offhand. But all these other songs have been performed live. So Girl Gone Bad, definitely, for sure, I think throughout the entirety of A Different Kind of Truth Tour was on the set list. So I found a decent sounding, once again, this is a boot, but I tried to get the best sounding one possible for the sake of having an alternate version of Girl Gone Bad, because once again, there's not any good cover versions of it out there, that's for damn sure. Van Halen's answer to Achilles' last stand, and I'll stand by that statement. But yes, here is a fun live version of Girl Gone Bad. Enjoy.
did. That's the best fucking ending in all of rock and roll. Ah, Dave, yes. I believe that is a backhanded compliment if I had to guess and speculate, but that's all rumor and innuendo, not official. But yes, Girl Gone Bad right there, live 2012 at Auburn Hills, Michigan, different kind of truth tour. Uh, I definitely regret not going to that. Something must have been really fucked up in my life, maybe from a financial standpoint, and that has to serve as the only reason why I didn't go see that tour 12 years ago has to be I, I saw the reunion tour and i saw the last tour but i didn't see that one in between and i will regret it quite a bit because i love different kind of truth tattoo aside i've talked about that a lot but yes last song on the record this stands as in a way the second van halen song i ever owned because with the jump 45 this was the b-side house of pain a song that I found out years later. I think it was around the time. Maybe I read about this initially in the Ian Christie Everybody Wants Some book. That sounds right, at least. I remember him talking about it on Talking Metal, that there was a, an old version of House of Pain on the Gene Simmons demo, which I'll explain if you don't know. Gene Simmons supposedly discovered Van Halen, or even if he didn't discover Van Halen for argument's sake, he at least got them into a studio and had them cut a demo that he could shop around to different labels as a way of maybe managing the band or getting points on them or something like that. But how could you not go see Van Halen at that point and not believe in them being a huge band down the road? So yeah, any hardcore fan of Kiss and or Van Halen worth their weight has some sort of copy of the Gene Simmons demo uh, that would be a lot of the material that they would record down the road. If you want to hear it in full, I would just recommend typing up Van Halen, Gene Simmons demo. Sometimes it's under the name Zero, because we all know the debut album is Van Halen 1, even though it's not called that officially. But, semantics aside, yeah, you can go easily hear all this material out on the internet, at least that demo album. You'll find a full clip of it. So yeah, it's out there. And I got it a few years ago. I wish I could remember who sent it to me and give him credit. Maybe I shouldn't give him credit because <laughs> it is a bootleg still. It's not official. But the neat thing about the demo is it's not just material that would wind up on the first album or maybe even the first two albums. It's stuff like House of Pain that would wind up on the 1984 record years later and even stuff that they would rework down the road and tweak and rewrite lyrics for for songs that would appear on A Different Kind of Truth. So there's a lot of cool history on that one demo. So what I'm doing originally, if I was going to approach this even just a few months ago, I would have definitely been like, let's play the zero demo version of House of Pain for this episode. I think I've actually played that song on the show before. So for both of those reasons, and to celebrate the fact that some really nice person had the wherewithal to leak a ton of demos out there on the internet of a supposed aborted box set from 2004. Uh, there is another version of House of Pain that from a performance and vocal standpoint and everything, it does sound like they were considering putting House of Pain on the first album. And then you fast forward to right at the tail end of the Dave era of Van Halen, they finally decide to commit to House of Pain. And I got to say, it's a good thing because this song on 1984 rules. 
The other versions, uh, they're not quite there, but they're neat to hear where they were like in 78, for instance. So in case you haven't heard this yet, and there's a chance some of you haven't, I'm going to play you the recently leaked Ted Templeman demo version of House of Pain to represent it here on this episode. So yes, here's the album closer and the show closer. This is the demo of House of Pain.
that that Dave dive right there, burn. It gets me every time. He does that in the zero version as well, and I always go river bottom. Okay, yeah, sorry, a little throwback to a few episodes ago. But listening to that demo, and it's cool to hear it. It's it's fun to hear. I am so glad that they waited to use that song once again for its use on 1984 because they tweaked that song and really made it great just by moving the intro to the outro section and going into that crazy cool Zeppelin type jam at the end of it and then breaking it down again to go into that groove. That outro is so good on the album and I'm glad they made those changes. But yeah, just in case you hadn't heard it, that's the Ted Templeman demo of House of Pain, the official closer here of this particular episode. And if you hear it in its original studio album form, it's the closer for 1984. So that brings us, of course, to the end of this episode. This was my love letter to the album 1984. I hope you enjoyed it, or at the very least, even if some of the tracks sound a little rough, I do apologize for that once again. It's not my recording, but I did steal it. (laughs) But if anything, it just tells you that nothing beats the original, right? Okay. But yes, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Just to give you a tease on a couple of episodes I got coming up, because I'm already working on them, uh, to play a little catch-up here, because... Not only did I mean to pay tribute to the 40th anniversary of 1984 on the actual day, 1924, but just missing out on Alice Cooper's birthday. But since I haven't done one in a while, at least I feel like I haven't done one in a while, I'm going to do an Alice Cooper birthday episode. I believe that's going to be the next episode, an all Alice episode. But we got some catch up to do with Alice, not because I don't do his birthday show as often but because he's actually got a lot of different vault releases and new releases to spotlight. So we're going to play tracks from all of that stuff to catch you up on kind of the last year of Alice activity and play a few personal favorites to pad the show. So that'll be a lot of fun. So join me for the Alice birthday show. Plus I plan on doing something special similar to what I did here with 1984. And we're definitely going to have to celebrate this because it literally is taking place on the day that I'm recording this one, so just a little bit behind on it, but I definitely plan on making a big deal out of the 50th anniversary of the very first Kiss album. Yes, the debut self-titled Kiss album. We are going to celebrate that thing and then some. So join me for all this good fun, and we got some fun themes coming up down the road. Still working on the 1974 output, so... Always big things doing here on Rock Strikes 10. So stick with me, won't you? Till then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. 
While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.